I want to talk to you about a subject that is very near and dear to my heart. And I think it's very important to the kingdom, and it's very important to God because he talked a lot about it. But it's something that I've experienced myself, and it's something that I have experienced a lack of. And, um, and it's, it's so um, enabling and when you have it, and it's so detrimental when you don't. And, um, and what that is, is it's honor and how important honor is to God. He said, I want you to honor me. I want you to honor your mother and your father. And in fact, honor your mother and father. I don't know if y'all knew this, but this is like just sown all throughout the word in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Honor your mother and your father. And he doesn't just say, hey, honor your mother and father. He goes, listen, so that you will have a long and full life because there's a blessing and a reward attached to honor. And so he, he said, listen, I know it's going to be hard sometimes because mom and dad can sometimes be a little difficult, but I want you to honor them and, and, um, and, I, and I'm going to give you a promise attached to it just to encourage you in your honoring. And then he tells us, um, husbands, honor your wives. Wives, honor your husbands. And, and, and then he goes on. So, so he's talking about a culture of a family. And he's talking about a culture of a family spiritually. He says, honor those who are over you, who I've placed over you in authority. Honor the, the civic leaders in your land. Give them honor. Show them honor. And as you do this, it actually creates a culture of honor. And, and you have to ask yourself, why is this dynamic in the government of God and the way that he set everything up, why is honor such an important attribute for the people of God? That we would carry it, that we would express it, that we would receive it. Because it actually creates something. And so this morning I want to talk to you a little bit about what honor is and what honor isn't. Because as I look all across America and I look at the culture of who we are, I really don't see a whole lot of honor. I don't see the honor from the children to the parents. I don't see the honor um, from the husbands to the wives. I don't see the honor to the authorities that God has put over us. And so there's this whole dynamic that's happening in our culture that's just sickening. It, it's, it makes the heart sick. And I, and I look at other cultures, especially the Asian cultures, and how honoring they are, and how they understand about what honor is, and how they honor their elders. And it's amazing to me because as someone now that is getting um, a little long in the tooth, you know, you, you, you go through life and you pay such a, such a high price for the, the character and the integrity and the, the knowledge that you have. And so when you have young people completely dishonor you and they don't even honor the, the, the value of who you are and what you've gained, it, it actually makes your heart sick. It creates something that is, that is so, it, 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 it so uh, imprisons you. And it imprisons any advancement that you have because there's no honoring there. And so I really want to talk to the, about this because I've experienced a lack of honor 
specifically because I'm, a lot of times, because I'm a woman in leadership in the church. And I, I actually received more honor in the marketplace than I do as a leader in the church. But, you know, I mean, and I got into the church and I was shocked that there's this ceiling in the church that says, oh, no, 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 no. If you're a woman in the marketplace, if you're a woman anywhere, do anything else in the seven mountains, you're going to be honored. You're going to be esteemed. But if you're a woman in the church, no, 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 you have to sit down and shut up. And, and that's another sermon. But, but you have to disappear and everything that you have within you, we're going to put our thumb on you and we're going to push you down. And I, I just thought that's so, that's so um, against everything in the scriptures and every single woman in the scriptures that actually was a hero of the faith. And so that's, of course, another, um, I will preach that sermon at another time, but but for the sake of, of just expressing my heart today and showing you what I felt like the Lord was saying with regards to honor. I wanted to point that out. Um, so in the Bible, 2 John 8 says this, Look to yourselves that we do not lose those things we worked for, but that may, we may receive a full reward. So John is pretty old when he writes Second John, okay? So he's pretty long in the tooth as well. And so he's experienced a lot. And it's interesting what he says. He says, look to yourself that we do not lose those things we worked for, meaning the things that we've worked for in the faith, that we may receive a full reward. Now, when he wrote this, he wrote it through his years of wisdom. And he was saying, listen, you work and you work and you work, but be very careful about how you work. And remember the last Sunday when I preached and I talked about uh, that we're grounded in the word and led by the spirit. And God really does. He's in charge of the what. But he looks to us and he lets us complete the how. How are we going to complete the work of God in the earth? How are we going to, to um, carry ourselves? Or are we going to represent him rightly? You know, are we going to be led by the spirit or led by the flesh? Are we going to be rooted in the word? Or are we going to be rooted in our own thinking of humanism? Um, and so he said this, take heed, examine, and look to yourselves. Look at yourselves and make sure that the way and the how is rightly aligned with the word of God. So um, I want to I wanna develop, as I'm starting this out, uh, and show you that there is actually a pattern to honor that is connected to a reward in heaven and a reward in the earth. That's why scripture repeatedly encourages us to finish well. It says, he who endures to the end, the word says that we have become partakers in Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. And he who overcomes will keep my works until the end. And so he's saying, listen, guys, this is not a sprint, but it's actually a marathon. And you're going to you're going to pace yourselves. And as we go along the journey, everything that we do matters. Because it says that there will be, the books will be opened in the end at the time of judgment. And he'll look at the book of our lives and see if what is in the book lines up with what he wrote. And he's saying, let's see how far you got and how you did what you did. 
How we finished is determined by the choices that we make and those that are often formed by the patterns that we develop along our journey. Um, there's an important lesson, and I want to speak to the millennials here. There's a, really an important lesson for the millennials in this. Um, we don't want to merely obey God in his word, but we really want to catch his heart. Because the thing about God and, and the, the, his word is that he doesn't just say something and he doesn't just say, oh, hey, don't do this and do this. But he said, listen to my heart behind it because you will gain the wisdom if you get my heart. And if you get my heart, then the no's don't become a burden, but they actually become the very fuel that causes passion to come alive with us to respond rightly. Okay, um, so let's go through and I'm going to just I want you to write these down. You can write some of these scriptures down, not the actual scriptures, but the address. So what is honor um, in first Samuel uh, two, verse 30? The word says, therefore, the Lord of God of Israel says, I said, indeed, that your house and the house of your father would walk before me forever. But now the Lord says, far be it from me for those who honor me, I will honor and those who despise me will be despised. That's first Samuel two, verse 30. If you want to meditate on that one for a while. Deuteronomy 5.16, honor your mother and your father and the Lord your God, as your Lord your God commanded you, then you will have a long, full life in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Honor and majesty surround God. Strength and joy fill his dwelling. 1 Chronicles 16.27. Psalm 110, this is one of my favorites. The Lord said to my Lord, sit in the place of honor at my right hand until I humble your enemies, making them a footstool under your feet. And so Jesus is seated in a place of honor and we are seated with him in heavenly places. We are in Christ. And so we are seated at the right hand of the father in a place of honor before God. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. Proverbs 3, 9. Blessed are those who honor my Sabbath days and my rest and keep them from themselves from doing wrong. Isaiah 56, 4. And lastly, Isaiah 61. Instead of shame and dishonor, you will enjoy a double share of honor. You will possess a double portion of prosperity in your land and everlasting joy will be yours. And what I love about this is how the Lord loves to give us honor. He's the one that's saying, I'm actually, as you give honor, I'm going to bring honor to you. As you receive honor and others honor you, I'm going to give them honor. And so it's a, it's a sowing and a reaping just like everything else in the Bible. And so I want to show you about God is a rewarder. And so he's saying, listen, listen, this isn't just a full reward. And that's what he said here in the scripture that I initially quoted. Look to yourselves that we do not lose those things we worked for. That means that honor can be lost, but that we may receive a full reward. If it says that we may receive a full reward, it means that there is 
an opportunity to receive a partial reward or no reward at all. So he sets up this reward system. And it's very clear from Scripture that God rewards those who heed his counsel and listen to his word and they obey. This, this, this thing about the fullness and the fullness of honor or the fullness of blessing. If, if I ever look through the word and I find a key that helps me to unlock something, then I realize that, that that key needs to be something that we all share with one another. Because I want to have the fullness of what God has for me. And I know that we all do. And so turn to your Bibles to uh, Mark 6, verse 2. And this is the story where Jesus himself, he actually just read um, uh, Luke 4.18. And so he's beginning his ministry. What I say, Mark 6, verse 2. Okay, so Jesus is beginning his ministry, and this is what he, he says. He goes into the temple and he reads, you know, the dove came and anointed him, and this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And he said um, something that's, he opens up the scroll and he, he begins to read Isaiah 61. And he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. And then he begins to say to preach the good news of the gospel, to heal the sick, open blind eyes, da, 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 y'all know it. Okay, but he said this, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. So the dove had come on him. Now this is Jesus from Nazareth. He's from Galilee. Guys, listen. He's been hanging out with all of his buddies all of this time. He's been showing up at the temple every year. And this time, a dove comes upon him. And all of a sudden, he's 30 years old and he's been anointed. And he said, the spirit of the Lord has anointed me. And right after that, in the book of Matthew, one of the guys goes, uh... Isn't that Joseph's son? <laughs> Wait, what's happening here? Wait, we know him. The Spirit of the Lord has anointed me. He's quoting Isaiah 60. He's quoting the very same chapter, not the verse, but the same chapter where he talks about a double honor and a double portion of honor being given to him. But they all know who he is. And so he goes, um, I, uh, let's start in verse um, 3. Um, no, I'm sorry, let's start in verse 1. So chapter 6, verse 1. Then he went out from there and came to his own country, and his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many hearing him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these sayings, and what wisdom is this which is given to him that such mighty works are performed by his hand? Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James, um, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? So they were offended by him. But Jesus said to them, a prophet is, no, is not without honor except in his own country and among his own relatives and in his own house. 
Now he could do no mighty work there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. Then he went about the villages in a circuit teaching. Okay. You know, it's very interesting because God so often sends us these packages uh, that have been anointed and we're so accustomed to um, heroes in our culture, like football players and so all of these people that we esteem, but then when someone shows up and they're not in the package that we expect, we look at them and we show them dishonor. Because we're judging according to the flesh, not according to the spirit. And so, and the same thing happened to the people of Israel because they wanted a king. And so they're like, you know, give us Saul. Tall, dark, handsome. You know, he's the guy we want. But he really, and, and, then, the Lord, and, then, and then the Lord said, no, but David is my man. Here's this little ruddy guy who's, who's someone who on the outside, his frame does not look like a Saul. In fact, he, they put Saul's armor on him, and it just dwarfed him. You know, but yet, he's the one that the anointing came upon, and he's the one that the anointing didn't just come upon his human frame, but it came upon a heart that was a giant in the spirit. And the thing about the anointing, it's very interesting because when the anointing leaves, you, you saw what happened to Saul. That kind of rhyme, saw what happened to Saul. <clears throat> that Saul is my Texas version of S-A-W. <laughs> saw what happened to Saul. Saul, y'all. You see, scripture cannot be interpreted, and, and also we cannot see someone according to the flesh, but we must see them according to the spirit. Let's look at what Jesus said when he looked at his hometown and the way that they responded to him. These were the people that he grew up with. These are the people that knew him the best. These are the people that, you know, watched him playing in the streets and playing with the ball and, you know, going and getting corrected by his mom and his dad. And, and he said this, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country and among his own relatives and in his own house. The key word here is this honor and honor means a valuing. So there was no value placed on him, even though they had seen the word and they, they were blown away by the wisdom that he had. They saw the miracles that he was performing, but because they did not um, esteem him rightly and they didn't give him honor, they didn't value him, he was actually limited, the, the son of God. God himself, his hand was restrained because of honor, because there was no honor. And so honor caused a, a, a hemming in and a restriction of the gifts that he and the power that he was walking in. 
Guys, I'm telling you, when I have experienced a lack of honor, even when it's unspoken, even when it's only in the human heart, it is a hemming in and a, it causes a restriction and, and it causes a sickness in the soul. And those of you that have experienced this, you know what I'm talking about. Wikipedia says that, that honor is a perceived quality of, of worthiness. And that, that you are saying to that person, even if they don't deserve it, I'm saying that you are worthy. And it's the same with prophecy. Prophecy causes somebody in the New Testament to be unlocked in their potential because you are speaking things as though they are not. And it's the same with honor. The, the whole thing about creating a culture of honor is that you're honoring somebody according to the spirit, not according to the flesh. Honor can be displayed in action, word, and even thought. But all true honor originates in the heart. It doesn't come from the mind. It comes out of the heart. And this is what honor is not. Honor is not flattery. Honor is not, well, I'm going to give you a compliment. But it is a cooperation with that person. And it is what they, a cooperation with what, who they are in God and what they are called to do. And it's like this. It's like getting in someone's slipstream. You know, and, and or actually creating a slipstream for them because it works both ways. When you honor someone, you're actually creating a slipstream in the spirit for them to get to where they're going. And it, it removes all of, of the of the um, um, barriers for them to achieve that. But dishonor puts all of them. This could be uh, your parents. But when you honor them, it creates a pathway for them to get there. That this is why God says this, inasmuch as these people draw near to me with their mouths and honor me with their lips, but they have removed their hearts far from me and their fear towards me is taught by the commandments of men. Notice that it says that their fear towards me, true honor, is an outflow of the heart that fears God. And I, I, I've been watching, I, I, don't, I don't listen to the whole, we're in a political season right now because, you know, everything that's going on in 2016. And I've purposely just turned it all off. Not because I'm not going to vote. I am going to vote. You know, um, it's important to vote. It's important to be engaged, but it's not important. We can't get caught up in the dishonor of going back and forth because it's, it's sickening. It will make you sick if you listen to it. And if you listen to it too much, you will not be sick because you have been, it's just washed over your soul and over your, your, your emotions. And so it seems normal to constantly hear that bickering and that bitterness. So we want to engage in the process without engaging in the dishonor of those that are over us. I 
I mean, this just amazes me. Jesus, the Son of God, filled with the Spirit of God without measure, is held back. How much more will we be held back from the commission and the, and the things that we are called to do? If you treat someone common, they treated Jesus as though he were common. If you treat those in authority, it's the most exceptional person. But you've got to say, you've got to begin to esteem them and honor them. And I'm telling you, ladies, when a man feels honored, he is a giant in his home. He is a champion in the workplace. And, the, and things, your words make them feel honored. Your love makes them feel honored. Cooking for them makes them feel honored. Serving them makes them feel honored. <laughs> and vice versa, men. Because it says honor your wives. But this whole dynamic of honoring one another and esteeming them and saying you're not common. I didn't marry a common man. I married a giant. I married a champion. You are my hero. I say that to John all the time. And when John and I get in a conflict, you know, the first one to the cross wins. And so I'm always like, okay, I'm sorry. And, and, and a lot of times it's weird because what I'll do, and John can tell you this, I'll just go to him and say, I'm really sorry that I didn't honor you and that you didn't feel honored by me. And it's weird because it doesn't matter what the conflict was or the disagreement was, everything comes down. Because honor has just entered in and, the, and he has been esteemed once again into his rightful place. See, when we start doing this, this is the responsibility of the church. This isn't the responsibility of the world. And we should be creating cultures of honor in our workplace, in our homes, that we would esteem our people that we work for and really begin to lift them up in the prophetic, but also in serving them and speaking well of them to those around us and not getting caught up in that whole gossip thing that happens around the water fountain or wherever. I guess everybody drinks bottled water now, so. But when true honor from the heart is present, the full reward of God will come. So if honor is a heart issue, um, these people in, in uh, Jesus' hometown, they actually only received a partial reward. And you look at the Pharisees who not only did they not give him honor, they actually went about and found ways to dishonor him. They mocked him. They tried to trick him. Um, they criticized him. And so out of their heart and the abundance of dishonor, because why? He didn't come in the package they were expecting. They were expecting a king, someone to rescue them from the Romans. And he came as a carpenter. Wait a minute. Wait, what? Uh, you're Jesus. And so they found ways to trip him up. And so therefore you realize with them, none of them were ever healed. None of them got to participate and partake. They had no reward. And so the word also says to honor those in authority. If we honor those that are over us, we'll receive 
the reward God gives us through their position. Romans 13, 1 through 2 says this, Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists authority also resists the ordinance of God. Um, one of the stories that I love is the story of the centurion and how Jesus was astounded at his faith. Remember? He was like, oh, wait, there's, there's no one. There's no one in Jerusalem that has more faith than this man. What was very interesting about that is that you got John the Baptist. You got Mary. And the word says that faith comes by hearing the word. Well, this centurion, he's a Roman soldier. He's not a Jew. And so think about the whole dynamic of what's happening here. That would be like a colonel in the Marines that's in Iraq saying that an Iraqi plumber and giving an Iraqi plumber honor when he walks into his home. And so this is what he says. Um, he says to uh, Jesus, um, I may, I don't think I wrote it down. All right, I'm just going to paraphrase. He basically um, tells him that he wants, he wants him to heal his servant. And he says, I know that if you speak it, then it will be so. That all you have to do. And he began then to tell him, I understand about authority because I'm one who is under authority. And when I tell my soldiers, go, they go. And, and so my commandments have a weightiness to it. So he understood not only authority, but he also understood uh, honor. Yeah. And so the first thing that he did is he said this, I am not worthy, Jesus, that you come into my home. That would be, again, like that Marine saying, I'm not worthy, Iraqi plumber, of you coming into my home. So he immediately established honor where honor was due. Because he said, I, I see you, I know who you are. And then he began to say, I'm a man in and under authority. Jesus' response to him was, I'm going to give you your full reward. He said, he marveled and he said, assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. He had a heart to honor, and the honor started in the heart. And so he understood honor. He understood he was coming from a culture of honor. I don't know how many of you know people in the military or even in the police, but there's a real culture of honor that they have developed within their ranks, and they understand what honor is. And let me tell you, a lot of the people that are over them do not deserve honor, but they will get in line and they will give honor even when honor is not due. So in summary, um, honor begins in the heart, and it begins in our heart. And I really, if you are online, listen to this. If you are part of this millennial generation, you've grown up in a time where um, you're part of an information age. You know, we came from the industrial age, but you're part of an information age. And so I'm not in three sentences or less, you lose focus. And so this whole idea of honor is a little bit more challenging for you to accept and receive and really walk in. But I'm telling you that, that it says to, to give 
double honor to your elders. It says to honor those in authority, to honor your mother and your father. And then you will have the full reward that you would honor those that God has placed over you and esteem them greatly, not because of how you see them in the flesh, but because of who they are according to the spirit. We have to get it right in our hearts so that our actions will follow. And so, Lord, I just pray this morning, God, that you would help us, even in our thoughts towards one another, that you would help us have thoughts, actions, words that would come from a heart of honor. Father, I don't want to put anybody in a prison. And Father, I pray that nobody in this family would put anybody in a prison but we would be the gatekeepers that unlock the prison doors, that we would create a culture of honor that would be so beautiful, the way that we honor and esteem one another, the way that we value one another. Father, I pray that you would release that in this house, God, and I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.